DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Institute for Priestly Formation, presents The School of Prayer, Foundations for the New Evangelization with Father Scott Trainer. Father Trainer serves as the rector of St. John Vianney Theological Seminary in Denver, Colorado. He has been an instructor and spiritual director for many of the programs at the Institute for Priestly Formation. He is a retreat master and spiritual director who has traveled the country as a speaker for various conferences, diocesan gatherings, and national conferences. He is the author of The Parish as a School of Prayer, Foundation for the New Evangelization, on which this series is based. The School of Prayer, Foundations for the New Evangelization with Father Scott Trainer. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Father Scott, thank you so much for joining me. It's great to be here. Thanks, Chris. We're hoping to break open the whole area of prayer in this series of discussions that we're going to have, because as you have written in the parish as a school of prayer, it really is the foundation for the new evangelization, isn't it? It really is. Uh, Jesus says in John chapter 15, apart from me, you can do nothing. And if you read that passage in the image that Jesus uses of the vine and the branches, you hear the desire in Jesus's heart, remain in my love, remain in me, remain in my love. He says it again and again and again. And we just want to stop and receive that desire in Jesus's heart. Jesus desires intimacy with us. And he says, apart from me, Mm -hmm. you can do nothing. So when we think of the new evangelization, how with those who are baptized but maybe have never really grown up in the practice of the faith or because of different circumstances in their life, though they've been sacramentally initiated, have left the practice of their faith. Um, That's the target of the new evangelization. Well, how can in a fruitful way we invite people back to Christ and his church in the labor of the new evangelization, apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. But in him, if we receive his desire and respond to his desire to remain in his love, to grow in intimacy with him, we will bear much fruit. And this is what gives glory to God the Father, Jesus says. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, which we can only do in Jesus. And at the end of that whole passage, he says, I tell you these things, so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. The new evangelization is not some, you know, drudging labor burden, like, oh, we got to go work. It's going to be so difficult. It's meant to be an adventure of growing love and intimacy with Jesus in union with whom we can bear much fruit in a whole spirit and life of joy. Like, and who doesn't want that? Very good question. Who doesn't want that? Mm -hmm. In the Synod of the New Evangelization, Mm -hmm. October of 2012, after all of the talking, after all the presentation, it boiled down to, as articulated by Pope Emeritus Benedict now, that the church is being called to be a listening church. Mm -hmm. Is that part of the, the reason why prayer is the foundation to this new evangelization? Can I listen to the person who's in front of me 
with the heart of Jesus. I can't if I'm not familiar and at home in the heart of Jesus. If I haven't allowed Jesus to gather me into his heart that I've experienced myself, his love, his power to heal, his power to set me free from whatever holds me down. If I haven't experienced that, when someone in my life, a friend, an acquaintance, a person at work, a member of my family, is opening their heart around their difficulties, I'm not going to be free and confident to say, you know what? The Lord and the gift of his love communicated through the church really can come to bear on what you're experiencing. You can really find healing and peace and reconciliation and freedom in Jesus. I cannot be an effective witness in reaching out to anyone who's in my life if I haven't experienced the fullness of God's saving love in my own heart. And I don't mean to say like we have to arrive at some point of arrival before we can go out and be an evangelist. But Mm -hmm. even from the first grace I've ever experienced, the first experience of God's real presence of his love alive in my heart, from that first moment, I have a gift which I can give as a gift. But those gifts are received and tended and cultivated and brought to their fulfillment in the daily life of prayer. And that doesn't happen anywhere else. So the ability to grow in prayer opens my heart to really be able to listen to the person in front of me, to receive them as they are, as Jesus receives them, right where they're at, in whatever situation that they're in, with the assurity and the confidence, not in myself, but in God, that God can minister to their every need. What I hear you saying, it seems very horizontal, mm-hmm. but also very vertical. Mm-hmm. It's all at the same time, isn't it? Right. And isn't this the genius of our Catholic faith? Like at the center of our Catholic faith is the incarnation, the eternal son of God, beloved of the father from all eternity is born of the Virgin Mary and enters our hum- humanity, takes on our human nature. There is no opposition between the vertical dimension of our faith and the horizontal dimension of the faith. It's all resolved in the incarnation, the mystery that God is with us, Emmanuel, Jesus. It's astonishing. And for people who are, you know, born and raised in the Christian faith, we just, it's easy to kind of take that for granted. Mm -hmm. Think of someone who had never heard of this idea that God, the creator of the universe, the word through whom all things were made, without whom nothing was made that was made, that this eternal God has entered into our human nature and our real human experience. For someone who didn't just kind of grow up in a Christian culture and that's just an idea that's in the air, Mm -hmm. who would hear that from the first time? Well, what does uh, scripture say? It was a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles, right? Mm -hmm. When they heard that, proclaimed, that good news proclaimed for the first time. What do you do with that? So absolutely, uh, the great adventure of being a disciple of Jesus Christ is that he is with us even till the end of the age, at every moment, in every situation, that when I'm in a room full of my friends, the most real person in the room is Jesus. And the most important thing about any moment of my day or of my week is Jesus, what are you doing? 
I want to become fascinated by what Jesus is doing because that's going to inform and direct and inspire whatever it is that God is asking of me, what his plan is for me, which is always a plan of love and of joy. That awareness of the person of Jesus, mm. I mean, that really is at, at the heart of it all, isn't it? Because if if we relegate Jesus to be somebody who is in a book mm-hmm. or it is a the end to many proof texts, mm-hmm. we're in trouble, aren't we? Because from what I hear you saying, I mean, he is he's sitting right here with us. I mean, he he's is. a person. We've gathered in his name, and he assures us, and God does not lie, that he is with us in our midst. And again, it's just something to pause and consider. And for any baptized person who is listening to us today, God has chosen their heart as his dwelling place from the moment of, his, of their baptism. They don't even have to gather with someone else in his name. They are his dwelling place. And again, this, these are truths of our faith, which can only be known by faith, that it's good to come back to again and again and ask the Holy Spirit of God, like, open up the amazement, the wonder of this revealed truth in my heart, that it doesn't just remain an idea or a syllogism or an end of some logical analysis. Because faith, while it's founded on reason, transcends what we can know by just being really smart and trying to figure it out. It's a gift. Faith is a gift because it opens me up to the expansive, amazing truth of God in relationship with me in my daily life, far beyond all I can ask or imagine. Again, the life of faith is meant to be an adventurous life. The living God is with me. He is present. He is active. He actually works in my life and the lives of the people around me. And that is a a horizon of adventure uh, that we can't receive enough of. Like, God, open that up for me more right now. The reality of your presence, your closeness with me, you, the living and eternal God, desiring to be with me and for me to be with you at every moment. Please, God, strengthen my faith. You introduced another person into this equation, the Holy Spirit, Mm. the bringer of the gifts. Mm. Talk to us about the Holy Spirit in our life of prayer. Mm. Well, the good news is, because I think it's easy for people to feel uh, a kind of um, insecurity when it comes to praying, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I think most Catholics know that I should be praying. And I think most of them have a desire, like, I'd like to pray some more. It's hard to find time to do. But even if I found time to do it, like if I was on, like, geez, I was on vacation for a week and just really had no other responsibilities and I could have all the time in the world to pray if I wanted to without the usual distractions of a busy daily life. I think that insecurity surfaces right away. Like, I'm not even sure what I should do. Like, how would I even go about that? Like, I want to, I want to have a personal relationship with Jesus and with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. And uh, when I was young, I was taught how to say my prayers, but that doesn't seem quite what we're talking about. So I don't even know how I'd start. So I think that's a common, uh, if people are reflecting their hearts, uh, a common kind of insecurity or I'm not sure how to even begin if I would want to do that. 
Well, the good news is that, again, from the day of our baptism, the Holy Spirit is praying within us. So maybe we can talk about some of these fundamental relationship dynamics of growing in intimacy with God. But the good news is right from the beginning, the Holy Spirit is praying within us. The Holy Spirit is plumbing the depths of our hearts and lifting up our hearts and our minds into the communion of love of the Father and the Son with the Holy Spirit. Um, So it's not possible to pray apart from the grace of the Holy Spirit. He is the master teacher of prayer. And his assistance to draw us into the depths of God's love is given us from the day of our baptism. But it's a gift to be uh, unpacked, a gift to be more fully released and expressed in the life of all believers. Isn't that the key to this new evangelization then, that evangelizing the baptized so that they can become aware of something many of them may have lived several decades now? Mm -hmm. And they would turn to you and say, no one ever taught me that the Holy Spirit is active inside of me. No mm-hmm. one ever ha- helped me to pray that way. Mm-hmm. Right. And I've heard comments like that uh, throughout my priesthood. I've, I made comments like that when I was experiencing the awakening of the Catholic faith I was raised in, 12 years of Catholic school. Uh, and when I went off to college, I was quite indifferent to my faith, you know? Mm-hmm. Through the help of some non-denominational evangelical Christians in Campus Crusade, was I introduced to a per- the idea even of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So I remember um, my sophomore year at Iowa State, I had started, started dating this very devout Catholic girl. And I knew if I wanted to be dating her, I had to be going to Mass. That just wasn't going to be an option, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I started going back to Mass. And I was involved in Navy ROTC. I was on a Navy scholarship. Uh, I was very involved in my fraternity at Iowa State. And then I hung out with uh, this girl I was dating and her friends, who were, for the most part, involved in Campus Crusade. And it was really different worlds, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Uh, Mm -hmm. The friends I had known my freshman year in high school, or in college, rather, who were good people, there's just something really different from them from these evangelical Christians that I was hanging out with my sophomore year more. And at first, I thought that they were just kind of weird. Like, these people are different. Mm -hmm. (laughs) At first, it struck me as a little weird. Later, there was something very attractive to me. As I look back on it today, I know what it was, was their Christian joy. These were men and women of real faith. And the joy that came from living and growing each day in a real relationship with Jesus radiated just in their daily conversations and activities. And it was a real joy. And I saw that and that's what I first thought was weird, but it started to attract me. So in my own way, at different times, I'd take one or another of these friends aside and be like, what is it with you anyways? Like there's something different about you. And it's like they all went to the same school because always the response was, well, well, Scott, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Now, again, born and raised Catholic, 12 years of Catholic school. I did well in school. And you sort of suspect that the correct answer to that question is, well, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if I was honest, in that moment, when they would ask me this, I'd be like, you know, I kind of him and ha, like, yeah, I th- you know, I think so. I think I'm like good with God. But I didn't even have in my imagination, what does that even mean? What does it even look like? What does it feel like? 
What is that like day to day to actually have a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus? I just, I, don't, I didn't even have a frame of rest, reference for it. So I offer that little story from my life by way of encouragement. If someone's listening today mm-hmm. and thinks, gosh, I've just never even heard about this. Well, thanks be to God, we're hearing about it today, right? And for someone to whom that's a very familiar concept, I want to offer the word of encouragement. There's much more to be received. You know, I can say, I've been a priest now for 13 years. And I can say, like, every couple years, I look back at three or four years ago, and I'm like, I don't know how I ever lived, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Because my relationship with God, thanks be to God and his mercy, has grown and deepened. And it continues to grow and deepen. And I know there's just never going to be a point of arrival until... Our Heavenly Father calls me home to himself. That'll be the point of arrival. But in the meanwhile, he's daily expanding my capacity to enter into a more intimate relationship with him. And so I do. I look back every couple of years. I'm like, wow, I, I can't imagine life today the way I lived it three or four or five, ten years ago. Uh, not that I was a bad person then and now I'm a good person. But there's just always more to be received. So the word of encouragement for those for whom, yes, they've had... Uh, years or even decades of experience of growing intimacy with God. You know what? There's always more to receive because God desires for us far beyond all we can ask or imagine joy and every grace and blessing and intimacy with him. You've met those beautiful souls, Mm -hmm. those men and women who have for 50 years gone to daily mass Ah who will go to adoration and sit in that time of quiet. And yet even for them, in their hearts, there's still that hunger, that yearning. They know that they're going Mm -hmm. to an encounter, but they may not be able to articulate it. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's as valid, and they can continue to grow Mm -hmm. as well, can't they, in that prayer? Uh, Absolutely. But the key word you use there, they know in their hearts a hunger and a longing. Mm. That desire itself is already the Holy Spirit praying in them. That's God's desire in their heart. I cannot gin up or muster or somehow, uh, yeah, invent a desire or a longing for God in my heart. That desire that moves me towards God, that brings me to him, is itself his desire in my, it's the Holy Spirit laboring in me to draw me to God. And so this is a really important thing to encourage people in the life of prayer, to take their desires seriously. Uh, And we know, like our hearts, Scripture says, more torturous than all else is the human heart. Who can understand it, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes uh, people don't want to pay close attention to the thoughts and the feelings and desires that are moving in their heart because they know among them are desires or thoughts or feelings that are ugly and are are wrong, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I want to go punch that guy in the face. Well, that's probably not a desire that's coming from God, right? But God loves us unconditionally. So he invites us in growing intimacy with him to offer to him whatever we find in our heart so that everything that comes from him, like this desire of the person who goes to daily mass and is frequent in adoration, who desires, who hungers for a deeper encounter, that desire is from God, and God can build that desire up and start moving it to its completion, like fulfillment. 
And then when I find thoughts or feelings or desires in my heart that are messed up and clearly not from God, well, if I bring those honestly to God, he's the one who can rearrange them. You know, God wants to transform our minds and our hearts so that we can think and feel and desire as Jesus does. That's holiness, is union with Jesus in every dimension of who we are, in our, in our interior life, in our thoughts, our feelings, and our desires, in how we speak, in what we do, in how we do it, in why we do it, the whole thing. That's the process of conversion. That's growing holiness, is union with Jesus in every aspect of who we are. So I would encourage the person you're describing to pay serious attention to that hunger and to that longing and just to offer that to God. That itself is tremendously fruitful prayer and will bear fruit of growing intimacy with God day by day. It has been bearing fruit in their life and it will continue to. I can see many doors that we'll have to walk through in coming episodes and discussions on prayer. But what I'm really hearing from you, and particularly probably from your experience as a pastor, as a priest, working in the Newman Center, being now a rector at a seminary, that each person is so individual, so unique, that their prayer experiences and where God has them at the moment is valid and unique and special and has to be nurtured. And that can be a real challenge, especially to the person who is trying to walk with them and Mm and encourage them to grow in whatever area that is. Yeah. It is unique. It is valid. It is beautiful. It's to be reverenced. And I, I think of parents, right? Mm-hmm. Parents, you have your five children. Which one do you love the best? Mm. You can look at each one of them in your mother's heart, in your father's heart, and say, I love you the best. And you can look at the next one and say, I love you the best. Because, of course, each one of those children is unique and unrepeatable as a person, but even like to reflect on the experience of the parent's heart, that love, it's not different than the love I have from, from another one, but it is unique and unrepeatable. And that's a, a little finite taste, a little insight, a little window into the unfathomable, infinite, but unique and unrepeatable love that God has for each one of his children made in his image and likeness. And as far as those who are called to accompany a person to help them grow in the life of prayer, um, it's not so much a challenge as it is a great honor and privilege to behold how you experience God, how God draws you to himself, to really, in contemplative spiritual direction, to adore what God is doing relationally with this individual. And while that is always unique and unrepeatable, there's a certain familiarity to it. You know, God is not haphazard and he's not random. Mm -hmm. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. His love is steadfast. So why in the mystery of the uniqueness and unrepeatability of the relationship he invites any person to, any individual to, there is a kind of familiarity and it's just beautiful to behold. It is a great privilege and really the foundation of the depths of friendship, real Christian friendship, to be invited into the mystery of what's unfolding in a person in their relationship with God. Mm. In, in closing on this particular episode, 
what would you have the listener do to begin that engagement? Mm. Well, uh, step one is showing up, right? Mm-hmm. So I encourage people, you know, if they've never had a habit of daily prayer, right? Let's say this is a brand new idea to them. Um, just to take, maybe it's 15 minutes. Maybe you can find a half an hour. Uh, just to take time to come into God's presence, to acknowledge that in this moment, wherever you are, whether you're taking some time in a parking lot in your car, whether you're able to duck into a chapel before the Blessed Sacrament, whether you find a uh, quiet corner in your home or a not-so-quiet corner in your home, just to take a moment and to recognize in this moment, God is gazing on you with love. So in the spiritual exercises, St. Ignatius, before every hour of prayer, praying four or five hours a day, encourages the retreatant to pause just for a moment, for about the space of an Our Father, he says, and consider how it is that God is gazing upon you. So that's, I always hear two different things in that. The fact that in this moment, God is gazing upon me. And then as we know from all our relationships in life, looks can communicate a lot without words. Mm -hmm. So God, who is love, is gazing upon me. And he's gazing upon me with love. But what is that love? What is that gaze communicating to me in this moment? So I think first, just to acknowledge the presence of God, that we are, that God is attentive to us, even if we haven't given him a second thought all day or all year, he's attentive to us in this moment, in our circumstances right now, and to let that sink in. And then secondly, as you're letting that sink in, just pay attention. What is stirring in my heart? What's my mind been on today? Like what's been on my mind today? You know, pretending as if God knew nothing about me, of course, God knows us better than we know ourselves. That's the truth. But if God only knew about those things that I had shared with him, how well would he know me today? Like, would he know what's going on? Would he know what's on my mind? Would he, would he know what I'm concerned about? Would he know what is making me happy today? Uh, would he know what I'm longing for and desiring for myself and those who are dear to me? And then just to start, as you're paying attention to that in your own heart, those own stirrings of your heart, to tell God all about it. And just that simple thing to pause in my day to recognize that God is attending to me, that he's gazing on me with love and letting that soak in. And then looking into my heart and seeing what would I like to share with God today? Whatever comes up, the good, the bad, or the ugly. Tell God about that honestly like I would talk to a trusted friend. Just taking those first moments will very quickly open a person to a whole new experience of God's presence and power and love. Mm, Wonderful. Father Scott, thank you so much. You're welcome. You've been listening to The School of Prayer, Foundations for the New Evangelization with Father Scott Trainer. To hear and or to download this episode, along with many others, go to discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of discerninghearts.com in cooperation with the Institute for Priestly Formation. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Join us next time for The School of Prayer, Foundations for the New Evangelization with Father Scott Trainer. <laughs>